All right. Welcome back to episode two of Burgers and Banter. The now officially titled podcast by K&E. I am the E part as in Ed. And I am the K part as in Keaton. All right. Welcome back. Today, we'll hopefully be a little bit more organized than last time. Yeah, uh, this time we have kind of made out a little system to so we're not bouncing back and forth like we did in episode one. Keep things simple and clear for you guys. All right, the first thing we're going to talk about is... Games. Me. So we've been playing Devil May Cry. The new one has come out with a demo. So number five has a demo right now for Xbox, which and that which was completely exclusive and then they re-released it with some new stuff for both PlayStation and Xbox. So technically it's the second demo for this game. So uh, I got to play it a little bit at Ed's last time right after we finished episode 1 of the podcast. It's about a 15 to 20 minute demo. Nothing too crazy, but it gives you a nice look into what the game is going to be like. And I'm impressed with it so far. It's super nice looking in terms of graphics. Controls are very simple. I mean, the original Devil May Cry controls were simple, but they didn't really teach you how to use controls. So at least this gives you a nice little tutorial as you go through the demo, but it doesn't harass you to do specific things yeah i really liked it i downloaded it um a couple weeks ago on the xbox and um it is just fun like it's like like you said like 20 15 20 minutes and just smooth combat like it is just nice it's crisp it feels good to go back to this kind of series because it's been a while since i've played a game like that i think the last time i played one kind of like this was metal gear rising on the ps3 so it's cool it's like a, it's an old school feeling to it like where like you're like you know just hack and slash like you get into a room doors lock and you just kill every enemy and get out so i'm looking forward to that it comes out uh early march i know i'm gonna probably pick it up day one i know keaton pre-ordered the uh collector's edition yeah i decided to pull the trigger on getting a collector's edition it'll be my first ever collector's edition but i'm super excited for this game after playing it a little bit so I believe off the top of my head, everything that comes with this collector's edition is a statue of sorts for the van itself that says the Devil May Cry in neon along the side of it. And then you also get a wall scroll, kind of basically just a poster and some in-game stuff. And the box it comes in is like a really cool kind of looking old school leather like briefcase I believe it's looks really well made retails for about 180 Canadian and so I'm going to I'm kind of really excited for that to show up at my door yeah I mean for 180 bucks better be fucking you better be pretty fucking excited (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I'm already hyped enough for the game that I decided to pull the trigger also on getting the HD remastered edition of the Devil May Cry series. So this is games one, two, three, and then you can also get number four included, which was a special edition. And I've been replaying number one already. It's a very short game. I'm probably about a quarter way through. Enemies can be a little annoying when you get to certain bosses, but when I think back to games, I initially played with friends on their consoles through early PlayStation days. That's what I would expect is some it's very hack and slash with some nice for the most part balanced enemies, but still will get you a little frustrated, but then you'll come back to the game and you'll know exactly what you need to do. It's very much a kind of sometimes it's trial and error and you just figure it out quickly. Sometimes you don't figure it out quickly. I know currently I'm stuck on a small little part where you go through a chamber that door locks you get a a an old rusty key and a bunch of bugs spawn once you've killed all the bugs in the room 
you're then able to kind of go back out into the main hallway and unlock another door, which will lead you to this, uh, I'm not sure the official name of the creature, but it basically has like these giant scissor blades and then a nice like gold mask that's kind of like a, a skull of sorts, like a bison or some sort of other animal skull to it. And you've encountered this enemy before, but on an easier scale. Now, what makes this one a little more challenging is you're trapped in a very close quarters by kind of like these laser walls. Now, laser walls won't do anything to you. They're just acting as basically a standard wall. And this thing swoops down and tries to dive bomb you. The problem is the camera angles make it very difficult to see where exactly he is. So it's a matter, your dodging is basically a matter of jump around this small little area and hope for the best. Well, I mean, it is like a pretty old game. Like I picked up the HD collection after I played the demo a couple weeks ago. I haven't dived in much. I only played the first like 40 minutes of it. It's like, it's all familiar. I played it as a kid. So like, I remember kind of what to do. And I remember a lot of like the first missions. So I'm hoping to dive into it more fully in a uh, week or so when I finish up what I'm currently playing. But before we move on, speaking of collector's editions, I actually have my own pre-order one. I pre-ordered um, Days Gone collector's edition for the PS4. So it'll be the third collector's edition I bought. Last I bought one last year and one year before. Last year I got God of War, gave a nice statue and all that. And then before that, I bought Wolfenstein 2 New Colossus. That was pretty fun. Like, that's a good game and cool. Like, Collector's Edition came with, like, an old school, like, figure. Like, it was designed to look like it came out in, like, the 60s. But, yeah. That's pretty neat, actually. Uh, the Days <clears throat> Gone Collector's Edition. I saw it myself when Ed and I were discussing uh, the Devil May Cry one. And what to spend our money on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, can't get both. So, it came down to a choice. He leaned more towards the Days Gone, whereas I leaned more towards the Devil May Cry. I've never really been huge in terms of zombie games, but I do have to say just seeing the E3 initial release of Days Gone, I was myself pretty excited for this game. Whether or not I get it day one will be another decision for future me. Yeah, like I thought about getting the uh, Devil May Cry Collection Edition, but like, I, like you said, like we had to pick one and I went with uh, Days Gone. Initially, I wasn't too interested in the game when I first like heard about it. Like it looked cool, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, interesting. But then uh, recently, they uh, they they delayed a few months and they released some more uh, gameplay stuff. And I'm in. Like I'm like, this game looks fun. Like I love me a good zombie shooter, and it looks like there's gonna be huge hordes. Did you have a chance to play the demo for Anthem? No, I actually didn't. I thought about it, but by the time I downloaded it and like. Apparently it was hard to find a match. I was like, game comes out in a few weeks, so I wasn't really too hard looking into it. Like, I'm not a big fan of betas. Like, I, I, I get people are like, you could try early and stuff, but like, I'd rather just wait for the release. So I missed access to the VIP demo, which was if you had pre-ordered the game, you get four codes. One for yourself, or sorry, three codes, I think. And it was one for yourself, two for friends. Something along those lines. So people were kind of just handing them out on the internet. Free codes. I missed my chance, but I heard it was super buggy. And they, EA and uh, BioWare came out and said, oh, well, that's not going to be the official release. So we've made some changes since this demo. And then they released another demo about a week later which was free for everyone. Now I downloaded the demo, I launched the demo, I listened to the opening bit, and I was not very impressed. Now I didn't get into the combat bit, but the little bit I did go off of was graphics. Now I'm not expecting crazy graphics from every single game that comes out, but that was kind of one of the big things with Anthem when it was initially announced was how amazing it was going to look. And it was going to have elements of Mass Effect, elements of Destiny, things. But 
things like that, but make it that much more better, cooler, and more customizable. I've heard really good things about the shooting aspect, but when your game is supposed to be a first-person shooter, I would... It's I would, actually a third-person. Oh, third, my bad. So third-person shooter, regardless, your shooting elements better be on point. That's kind of the main focus of your game. Honestly, I just want to fly around like Iron Man. <laughs> I actually had heard from other friends who had a chance to play it. They were kind of disappointed with the flying aspect. They were hoping maybe some more with it. And it's obviously great for what it is, but they were hoping it would get incorporated into the game a little more, like being able to make bases up somewhere high rather than just your standard, okay, your base is on the ground. How do, how do we go from here? Is there any new things we could incorporate to make this jetpack more useful? But it doesn't seem like currently they've done anything with that. We'll have to see when the game comes out next week, I believe. No, it comes out the 22nd. 22nd. So, in a week and a little bit. So, one, two weeks. Uh, and then we also have Shonen Jump coming out next week, which is the big anime kind of side scroll fighter game. Now, I'm personally interested in this, but I'm going to wait off, see what the final reviews are on this game. I've never been much into the big side scroll or even just your standard 1v1 fighting game. Whereas I know Ed has been with the Injustice games. Oh, I love me a good fighting game. I'm not very good at them. I'm okay, like I'm, I can hold my own, but like I I love me a good fighting game. Pretty much anything by another rounds. I've been playing like Mortal Kombat since I was a kid and Injustice is just a mix of two of my favorite things. Mortal Kombat fighting styles and DC characters. And uh, maybe since Injustice 2 came out, I've logged over 100 hours. I probably talked about it last time. And tell all of my people, because I love Injustice 2. I play it all the time. I still play it. I was playing it last week, and I uh, dived into Injustice Gods Among Us. I bought that at Fan Expo last year. And I was like, oh, you know, kind of there's a couple of characters I wanted to play as. Like, they have Shazam in it, and they have Santana... Batgirl, all these characters that aren't in Justice 2. So I was like, you know what, maybe I'll I'll dive in. And then I like dove into the story, beat it in like two days, three <laughs> days maybe. And then I started playing a couple of the, uh, the uh, missions, because you can do like little like missions where you have to like fight all of the villains or fight all the heroes and do your little like classic story mode where you just go through a little tower. So that for a couple hours and then I'm going to Take a break, because if not, I'd be playing Justice forever. <laughs> and Mortal Kombat's coming out this year. I'm excited for that. I'm going to buy that day one. Been seeing a lot of the fan reviews for that. Well, not reviews, but... Character reveals? Character reveals and who fans are casting to be certain characters. There's some... I've seen, like, Ronda Rousey, Terry Crews. Your typical big fighter. Well, Ronda Rousey is... Voicing Sonya Blade in the game. Yeah, the creator has since come out and announced some some of these people are actually making uh, voices for some of these characters. And they're on board for other people to kind of come into these spots that fans have themselves taken upon themselves to, pre, to make their own casting decisions. So we'll see if that leads to anybody actually getting additional casts. For some of the characters, whether it be anything they throw in later to this game, or for a future Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, I mean this will probably be the last NetherRealm game for this console generation, because they usually alternate between like a Mortal Kombat game and a Justice game. So we've had three, three, three games by them on this generation. We had Mortal Kombat X, Justice Two, and now Mortal Kombat Eleven. So by that standard, we'll either get one at the very tail end of this or right with the new consoles with the uh and justice 3 hopefully i mean it's sold it's sold well they have like esports for it and um so there's like no no doubt that like they're not going to make a third one of this they've been making mortal kombat games for forever now so i'm excited for what they do next with the story because the second game had two endings one 
kind of sets up like a sequel. The other one does it as well. So I don't know if they'll have like two alternate campaigns where he's like, if you chose the Batman ending or the Superman ending, either way, they have my money. I will always throw my money day one at uh, Ed Boon. But for other games that I've been playing, I recently dived back into Far Cry 5. I got that day one at release last year and with the new Dawn coming out next week, I was like, might as well dive back in and beat it. So I jumped back in, got a little disoriented, you gotta like remember the controls and stuff, and then just fell into it hard. Like I finished it last night, got the good ending. I know a lot of people don't love the endings. I liked it. I thought it was cool. It's a not very optimistic ending, but if you listen to the dialogue throughout the game, it does hint at this. So it's not like a total out of nowhere. Because I kind of had the ending spoiled for everybody, I guess. Because nuclear bombs go off. That's what the next game is all about. So I uh, finished that last night. Then I started one of the three DLC packs. I did the zombie one. It's quick. Like You finish all the zombie missions in like an hour and a half. A lot of people didn't love it. Because it's like just shooting zombies in the face with a shotgun. and But I'm all about that. Like... <laughs> I will shoot zombies for hours with shotguns in the face. So hoping tonight to go home and start the Vietnam one, finish that, and then dive into the space Mars alien one. So I'll probably talk about those in the next podcast. But yeah, as for Far Cry, I played three. Uh, I loved Far Cry three. The game that year that game came out was my game of the year for that year. Like I played it from cover to cover. Like every mission, every collectible, did it, got it. And I actually got a free copy of that with the uh, gold edition of Far Cry 5. It's because I took a break from 4 in Primal. Um, 4 came out and like I was like, oh man, more Far Cry. But I was kind of like, I don't know. like I liked Far Cry 3 a lot and I was kind of content with it. And then Primal came out and I was kind of thinking about getting Primal and I still might pick it up because it's cheap. It seemed like an interesting take on it, going back to the prehistoric times. But then they noticed 5 and I was like, I'm back. I was like, sign me up. I loved it. I vlogged uh, just over 50 hours in the game. Because I was like, oh man, this game's kind of quick. Like, I was like playing, I was like, like is it a short game? And I like looked at my hours logged, and I was like, nope, about 50 hours. <laughs> it's definitely a lot. Alright, so that's pretty much wraps up what we're playing. Um, I'm going to dive into Apex tonight yeah i just downloaded apex as well uh we'll see definitely gonna be interesting uh only other battle royale game i've ever tried was h1z1 but i couldn't really get into it but i've played a little bit of titanfall 2 i enjoyed the game so well, titanfall 2 is definitely incredibly underrated Oh, very. It's one of the very underrated. One of the, if not the best, first-person shooter to come out this generation. I'll go on record with that. <laughs> it's the best. Get out of your Overwatch, people. Titanfall Two is better. <laughs> you heard it here. Head for first Titanfall to Overwatch. All right. So, what have you been watching lately, Ed? What have I been watching? Actually, just before we get to that, quickly, I did pick up Kingdom Hearts Three last week. Oh, true. Okay, forget about that. I installed it. I hung up my. Fabric Kingdom Hearts poster I got from EB Games. I haven't played it yet, but I plan on it. <laughs> you haven't played the one of the most anticipated games yet. I'm getting around to it. I like was I was about to start it and I was like I'll play Far Cry. Said only me. <laughs> so I'm hoping to dive into that soon. But as for like new releases coming up, I'm planning on taking a break from buying games. I have a tendency of buying more than I play. So yeah, I'll hopefully get new new Far Cry and Crackdown 3 probably next month. But yes, back to what we were watching. I have not been watching too many TV shows because I've been playing so much Far Cry. But I have started season two of Kim's Convenience. It's a great, it's honestly a great show. It's a Canadian show, filmed in Toronto. I, I drive past the location that they use the outside of for Kim's Convenience. It's on uh, Queen Street. It's really cool. Like, it looks really... The outside looks really clean on the, in the show. It's real dirty looking in real life. <laughs> One of the coolest parts about Kim's Convenience is just, like... It's all local. Like, it's all, like, Canadian actors, the Canadian set, Canadian crew. 
and it's funny like it's not raunchy it's a really well written show like it's really clever and some of the jokes they do and like the characters I loved it I loved season one um, so I'm excited to keep watching it with the girlfriend I started without her then we watched it with her so she got a little a little annoyed but like <laughs> you got it one of the the biggest things about Kim's convenience that's unique is that it makes Toronto look like a clean place to live. <laughs> Every time you show the show, the streets are all like clean. People are like walking around happy. No, Toronto's dirty. It's it seems, one ugly city. It seems to be the quite opposite of what everyone else uses Toronto to film with. Everyone tries to replicate Chicago or sometimes New York. Anything that's generally uh, meant to be kind of a darker city yeah so i mean suicide squad used it to represent gotham actually no it didn't it was supposed to be midway city oh my bad then but suicide squad did film here and used a very dark setting very dark atmosphere for toronto and we'll probably see more films like that i mean suicide squad 2 hasn't really had much about it so well they haven't far. started filming yet they haven't canceled yeah. it yet so they're still writing Suicide Squad 2 but it will most likely be filmed here once again and Titans filmed in Toronto as well and they've had reports of the fact that they're going to cast uh, Deathstroke's daughter there's reports of his <laughs> oh so we're we're excited to see what's left of the casting for Titan Season 2. And then that's not going to be coming out for, I believe they said, at least one to two years still on top of like coming from this March when they they were reporting of finishing casting. It'll probably be released by the end of the year, early next year. They're not going to wait two years for a second season of a show. That's a long time, especially for the DC streaming service, they want to kind of keep content coming. But Doom Patrol comes out next week on it, and um, I heard just early like reviews for it. It's like, it's fantastic. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to have to uh, find a way to watch it in Canada. But for what else I've been watching, um, True Detective, every Sunday I watch it. And the mystery's been getting bigger. So it takes place in the three timelines, and... I guess they don't quite solve it or something happens because they hinted at the last one they're the two detectives that work on it are old something happens and um, he's still mad at Mahershala Ali for it but he's like losing his memory so he doesn't know why he's mad at him so they had this really nice scene where that this at the partner's little ranch and he's at the porch and he's like you know like 25 years like you come talk to me you don't you know you never say anything like you know, and you come here and you're like, you don't have a wife and kids. He's like, why did you like, you know, he didn't care and stuff. And like, I'm still mad at you for what happened. And he's just like, I don't remember much. Like, I don't remember what my wife looks like. I don't remember, you know, my, my family and stuff. And if I did something wrong to you, he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I truly am. And like, I don't know why I never did talk to you. And they kind of like talk about maybe diving back into the case and the guy's like, I don't want to do it. Like, we're old now. Like, I don't want to die back in. He's like, I'm an old man, going senile, going running around with a badge and a gun. He's like, causing enough trouble. He's like, you don't want to see that? And you're like, and he's kind of like, I don't know. And he's like, come on, man, we're old. We're going to die soon. Let's just stir up some shit. So I'm excited to see what they do. Like, what two retired cops do to the case that was solved but not solved. So there's three episodes left and I'm trying to figure out who the killer is or if it's a bigger plot, if it's like a cult, I don't know. But I'm looking forward to this Sunday's episode. Neat. I haven't watched that show since season one ended. I tried episode one of season two. It's trash. Couldn't quite get into it. I mean, I had a tough time getting into season one. I had to rewatch the pilot two or three times but once I'd done that watched the next episode I was hooked so we'll see I might revisit that in the future once I catch up on everything else yeah like season one 
a lot of people have said they have a hard time getting into it because it is kind of like a slow burn but like me and my mom like I watched it and she watched it and like within like the first like 10 minutes I was like I'm in so like that's me like, like there's there's a few shows like that where I've been like first 10 minutes I'm like I'm in for the ride it was like True Detective Justified Hannibal shows like that where I'm just like you know not like you know like oh we need a couple episodes to get in like a little bit here a little bit there and there are shows like that that end up being like really good like Breaking Bad was like that first episode it's interesting and then like you kind of like then it starts to unravel then you're like all right now I'm hooked but these shows I was just in from the beginning how about you what have you been watching Keaton I've been watching more of Young Justice. So I said last time that I was just finishing up season one. Finally managed to finish season one. It was uh, a little slow going. Didn't have a whole lot of time for watching it. But I just finished it. Started a couple episodes of season two. Uh, Some big reveals. Some interesting aspects. Some characters changing from good to bad and as I said reveal of specific characters kind of being on their own and who they really are versus what we who we thought they were so the show's definitely becoming more and more interesting I do have to give credit to the fact that season one converts into season two fairly nicely there is a bit of a time gap but even so you can jump into it from one to the other smoothly and it doesn't feel like a whole new story arc or you doesn't feel like you've missed much there's a few little changes in terms of characters but uh, it's a pretty steady show uh, I'm excited to hopefully this coming weekend binge season two a bit and then I'll have to find season three online somewhere yeah, like that's what I've been doing. I have, I've only still only seen the first episode, so I haven't watched any more since the last podcast. But as for other things I've been watching, um, I've been watching some movies on Netflix. I'm a weird guy. Like I love movies. I love watching movies. Going to theaters at home doesn't matter. But when it comes to watching movies on Netflix, I don't. I don't know. Like I have a hard time watching a movie on Netflix. TV shows, I'll binge like anything. Like I'll sit there and watch. TV for like four or five hours, no problem. When it comes to like a two hour movie, I'm like, I don't know if I want to sit here for a two hour movie on Netflix. It's weird because I have like movies, like I'll, I'd rather go out, buy the movie on Blu ray, bring it home, and then put it into like my Xbox to watch it, then watch that same movie on Netflix. <laughs> People are like, why do you just like watch on Netflix? I'm like, I'll, I'll go buy it. People are like, oh, you know, but it's the same thing. I'm like, it's not. I want that, that like, that good picture quality like Netflix has good quality pictures but it's not like fully Blu-ray yet at least not with like my Netflix account so all that aside a new Netflix movie came out and I had to watch it day one and it wasn't like The Ballad of Buster Scruggs which I still need to watch it wasn't Roma which I still need to watch it wasn't Outlaw King which I still want to watch all these ones I really want to watch but like it's the Netflix thing it ended up being Velvet Buzzsaw a Netflix movie that came out, they announced it like a couple weeks before it was released from the director of Nightcrawler. He wrote and directed this, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. And I was like, I love Nightcrawler. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. And I was like, I have to watch this. And that title, I just love that title. It just sounds so interesting. Velvet Buzzsaw. But it ended up being like, it's a pretty standard thriller. It's kind of like a, a high art film mixed with like horror slasher kind of thing and I liked it I really enjoyed it I know it's not like the best of either ones but it's an interesting combination like there's a couple scares and like the murders are okay but like his performances Jake Gyllenhaal in this is fantastic he plays this like art critic and he just commits and he has like his whole like monologues about you know high art low art and these relationships and artists and the whole point of the movie is they one of the one of the girls in it finds her like upstairs neighbor in her apartment building he 
he died and the, and the apartment was just all this art this beautifully dark and like rich artwork and she kind of just takes it because he had no friends no family no anything and his request was to just throw it in the trash so they stole it found the legality of how to like have it and not get in trouble for it and all the lawyers felt and people were just going nuts for this art but the art was weird like it would move it was painted with like his blood he had like a really like rough life and like it was depicting these images of his life and then anybody who profited from these paintings were being slowly killed by other art it would bring art pieces around them to life not necessarily things that were just painted by him but any kind of art would be turned into a weapon and would kill the people around it it was so much everybody slowly die throughout the film and then this one girl who plays uh the big sister in stranger things i can't remember her name she's in it and like she's like an assistant and every one of her bosses just dies and she keeps finding the bodies imagine she just like quits la and just goes home <laughs> but yeah like i uh i really enjoyed it it's not the best film it's not better than nightcrawler but it does pair well with nightcrawler i did rewatch that on sunday Watching watch them both together as a double feature over the weekend, and it really, they kind of fit together in a way. They're both creepy. This is obviously isn't as good as Nightcrawler, but like it's, it's fun. I had a good time. I would recommend it. I've been watching another movie that Netflix put out called Polar. That's I went around kind of recommending this movie to a lot of people after I watched it. And it seems like everyone's actually already gone ahead and watched it, but no one's really talking about it. It's not one of those movies that gets you super hyped. It's a movie you kind of mention, hey, you should probably check this out if you like such and such. Now, for me, the best way to compare this movie would be it's basically if the John Wick series was a B-film cult comedy. And I think they were fully self-aware of that, making this movie, as they do have some little references to it. So firstly, the movie is basically world's top assassin, who is played by Mads Milkinson. Milkinson. Milkinson, my apologies. So, which everyone kind of knows him from Hannibal in most recent years. And so he plays the top assassin. He's settling into retirement. But then a former employer basically sends a bunch of assassins after him to kind of tie up loose ends, thinking he's a liability. Now, obviously, being the top assassin, that goes to say he probably kills quite a bit of people over the course of this movie. That would be right. Now, they even had a moment where they showed a dog, and he had this dog... And he was just learning how to take care of a dog. This is kind of him, us connecting with the character to go into his retirement. But then due to PTSD, kind of nightmares and things like that, he wakes up and ends up shooting the dog. The dog dies, and it's like, where have we seen this before? Oh yeah, John Wick, except his enemies killed the dog instead of him. So it takes a very interesting turn throughout it. Now, the film presents you with a very recognizable cast that you would think at first glance is pretty strange. So as I said, Mads. You also had Vanessa Hudgens, who plays his neighbor, who has ends up having quite a bit in the film. Catherine Winnick, you may recognize her from series like Vikings, where she plays... Uh, uh, my bad, I apologize on the name pronunciation. Largatha, can't talk. And you also had Rubio Fee, Matt Lucas, and you had very noticeably in the opening scene, Johnny Knoxville. Now, you see Johnny Knoxville in a film and you already don't want to take the film serious. You know he's known mostly for Jackass, and that's what you're going to get. And it's it was exactly what I expected. It's silly, it's goofy, but the movie has fun with itself. So showing Johnny Knoxville early on, 
Thankfully, he's a character that is killed off pretty quickly and kind of mostly just there as a setup for the other assassins in this firm. So I recommend giving this movie a watch if you want a good comedy, but at the same time, you love movies like John Wick. So again, it's very much like a B-film comedy cult film, I guess you could say. I mean, I'm probably going to have to check that out then. I mean, I love John Wick. I can talk John Wick all day, chapter one, chapter two, and I am so, so pumped for chapter three. It is my most anticipated movie of the year. Like, more than Avengers, more than Godzilla, more than Star Wars, more than, like, any other movie, John Wick, chapter three. You think John Wick, chapter three is going to result in more deaths on screen than two and one combined? I hope so. That trailer came out, and it is the perfect trailer. There's, like... It's certainly up, like, action scenes on a horse, action scenes on motorcycles, action scenes in a library. Like, I will watch that movie day one. I'm going to watch John Wick 1 and 2 again probably, like, three or four more times before the movie comes out. I've already seen John Wick 1, like, 12 times. That's a lot. Yeah. I remember seeing John Wick 2 in theaters, and we, we, my buddy and I, were looking up how many people were killed in the first one. We got a total of, I believe it was 72 was a rough number. So my friend started to count every death in the second movie and we got our own rough number and then we cross-referenced it with other things we could find online after. And I believe it was close to 100 or just over 100. So we'll see if number three ends up with a huge body count. Yeah, I mean, like, when I first... I didn't watch John Wick 1 in the theaters. I watched it in a, like, a couple months before the second one came out. I heard it was heard it was good. Like, the first trailer looked kind of bad, and I was like, ah, I don't know, I'm not interested. And I watched it on Netflix, and then I was like, it's okay, it was starting off, and then that first action scene happened, and I was like, I'm in. Like, I am in love with this movie, and the movie finished, and I, like, watched it again, like, a couple days later, and then I watched it again, like, five more times throughout that year <laughs> so yeah I now own them both and I watch them at least twice a year both movies I think anything else that you've been watching recently uh, that's basically it I saw that I saw Polar and I saw I saw the Young the, Justice season 2 that Muppets movie you watched Oh, yeah. So last night I watched Happy Time Murders. So for those who don't know what Happy Time Murders is... It looks awful. It's it's a comedy. It's silly. It's raunchy. It's... If you were to put the Muppets into a very adult situation. So the movie is definitely rated R for a reason. You have characters that... Are, go from 0 to 10 in terms of how raunchy they can be very very quickly the movie kind of revolves around uh, an ex-cop who's a Muppet and then a current cop who used to be partners together but now they basically hate each other and they have to solve a crime of who is hunting down and killing the Happy Time Gang, which used to be a TV show. So it goes on quite the adventure. If you're looking for a very raunchy comedy that you don't have to put any effort into watching, no mental effort, just sit there, watch it, have a good laugh if that's your cup of tea. If not, I would not recommend it if you are easily offended by jokes or if raunchy's not your type of humor best way to kind of go about comparing it to another type of raunchy movie The Dictator which starred Sasha Baron Cohen and that was a very very raunchy movie in terms of they used a lot of dark humor a lot of uh, racist humor whereas Happy Time Murders uses a lot of sex a lot of sex and a lot of sex and a lot of vulgar language definitely not something you put on when uh, 
your kids are around or uh, anyone. Your parents. Yeah, your parents definitely would be questioning what movie you are watching. But I I gave it about a, a six or seven. I feel like comedy movies are awfully or generally underrated. They get bad raps by critics, but a comedy is not meant to be something, in my opinion at least, that needs to be pulled piece by piece to break it down. It's meant to be something stupid, something you can have a good laugh at, walk away and be like, that was funny, but not necessarily good. And that's what Happy Time Murders is, is it's ridiculous, but it's self-aware. Yeah, I can see, like you say that. all that, you say all that, and I still have zero interest in watching that movie. It just doesn't look funny. It just looks awful to me. Like, there are raunchy comedy movies I like, you know, we watch the first Hangover, and like, it's a raunchy movie, but it's a well-written, like, well-made raunchy movie. See, I didn't like the Hangover movies. I thought they were stupid. I thought the first one, I had no interest in seeing that movie. My buddies wanted to see it, or I was like, whatever, like, let's, let's go check it out. And the first one, I loved it. Like, it was so funny. Two was kind of a letdown, and three was a huge letdown. But, I don't mean, like, Happy Time Murders, like, I saw that trailer, and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm no interest in watching Muppets have sex. I mean, you're not really witnessing much. There's one sex scene that you witness, and then there's one basically happy ending scene that you witness. Aside from that, there's not really any sex scenes, but it's a lot of sexual references, a lot of sexual jokes, a lot of drug use nudity to a minor degree um it's as i said it's it's raunchy it's a mindless comedy but if you're a fan of melissa mccartney then you're probably going to enjoy her in the film but maybe not so much her co-stars and it had i don't know the actor's name from the top of my head but basically the lieutenant of the police force was, if anyone's seen The Office, it's the the black guy. That's the best way I can describe him. The, the stable guy. They, they, Craig they, Robinson. That's it. Craig Robinson. So he's... Wait, I'll ask you, I mean, mean the guy who played Stanley. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's the guy who played Stanley. Okay. Yeah, Stanley is the one that is... The lieutenant in Happy Time Murders, not uh, Craig. Yeah, still not gonna watch it. Never gonna watch that movie. It's not gonna be for everyone. I'll admit that. I saw the trailer and I was excited to watch it. Never ended up seeing it in theaters, so I rented it for about six dollars in HD. So and uh, just I was like, hey, asked my roommates if they wanted to watch it, and they appreciated the comedy as well. Alrighty, I think it is time to get on to the burgers. Yeah, the one part that I'm sure everyone's been, where's the burgers, where's the burgers? All this is banter going on. (laughs) The burgers comes first before the banter, doesn't it? So, with burgers, we recently went to West Wing Bar and Grill. Yes, it's a little mom-pa shop on Lawrence, right across from the Lawrence Square. It's Lawrence Avenue West for those in Toronto. Yep, in North York, and I had it once before, and uh, I was excited to go back, and then met Keaton there last Saturday, and we uh, tried out their burgers. The only, they won on the menu, it's, just, it's a homemade burger, it's a, um, it's a, like, jerk spice restaurant, so there's a little bit of, like, nice seasoning in it, and a little bit, like, of a jerk seasoning. It's not spicy, but it's yeah. nice, like, nice flavor to it. It's not really a jerk flavor, I uh, found, but I did enjoy the seasoning that they put on it. No. In terms of the burger, as Ed said, there's only one burger on the menu. It doesn't have a fancy name. It's literally just... Homemade burger. Yeah. it's It kind of, at first glance, makes you go, why are we trying this place if we're doing burgers? But we decided to skip ahead to this one. Ed said he had already had the burger there before. And we decided to just remove it off our list, swap it out with... Uh, we put California Grill on there in its place. 
And yeah, the burger was very well seasoned. They had some melted mozzarella on the burger and there was bacon. Both of these, I believe, were an extra cost. Yeah. It wasn't much. It was like one, two dollars at most. Yeah, and like, so it came to like twelve dollars for the burger. Yeah, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's a good size burger. Um, came with like a bunch of fries, fresh cut. You can check our social media. There are fo- nice photos of the burger on there. So both Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, and um, I liked it. Like the like you said, that melted mozzarella. The bacon was crunchy, but not like brittle and not like chewy. It was a nice, good texture. The vegetables were all fresh and like crisp, so it wasn't like you know you bite into a burger and then like everything kind of like slowly rips out. So you get like so you end up having like vegetables hanging out. It just kind of crunched right off. The fries were nice size. They were uh, nice, good crunch. I like I like my favorite texture in food is a crunch. So their fries were. Uh, a little bit nicer for me because sometimes I don't like chewy fries. I don't like underdone fries. I don't like... I like them a little bit more well done. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, like, overall, like, I love the burger. Um, I'd give it probably 3.8 out of 5. I'd put it a little bit above the standard, like, bar restaurant burger. But, like, not quite into, like, the extravagant side yet. But for, like, a homemade, well put together... Ma Paul restaurant burger is definitely on the higher end of uh, the burgers. Yeah, as Ed said, the bacon I found wasn't too chewy or too crispy. Now, normally when I have bacon, I kind of like it where it's still a little chewy, but it, the edges have a little bit of crisp to them. So I'm not overly too picky when it comes to bacon, as long as it's as long as it suits the burger. Obviously. Sometimes you want a more crispy bacon on certain burgers or more soft. Now, it also, yeah, that little hint of the spice in it. The toppings were really simple. Onions, lettuce, tomato, uh, ketchup, and I believe it was mayonnaise on the burger as well. Not something I usually enjoy on a burger, but it worked really well. And I would give it a 3 out of 5. So to me, it's an it's an average burger. It's a step above fast food, but it doesn't really stand out from other restaurants. Uh, I really like that it's a simple but extravagant to a degree for a small family-run uh, business. And the fries were, as Ed also mentioned, crispy. They seemed fresh, possibly fresh cut themselves rather than uh, buying a bag of frozen McCain fries or something like a lot of fast food places will do and passing them off as their own. So I definitely appreciated the freshness of the fries. And yeah, so I think three out of five was a good average rating for this burger. Yeah, as for the next burger, we have a 20 side die in my hand. You can't see it, so I don't know why. <laughs> But I'm about to roll it, and Keen will have will pull up the list of the burgers, and we'll find the next place we'll try. All right, D20 has been rolled. That is an 18. 18, 18 is Johnny's. So Johnny's will be next for us. So a little bit of research on Johnny's burgers. We'll probably have it within the next week and a half, and we'll have it for the next podcast. So Johnny's Hamburgers is located in Scarborough, Victoria Park Avenue, so it's going to be a little bit of travel for us. Yay. (laughs) Ed was just saying before the podcast, he hopes the role isn't... Somewhere more local, but... (laughs) He wants it somewhere more local rather than The die is spoken, we shall go. So, from what I'm reading, their hamburger is basically what is advertised right away when you look up Johnny's Hamburgers hamburger counter that offers hearty charcoal broiled patties with old school toppings for takeout sounds good and people say it's good for late night food as well and sometimes you really just want a good takeout uh, for supper now one thing i'm noticing about this place cash only so it's a good thing we're doing our research now 
because... Yeah, I mean, I usually carry cash anyways, so I could have spotted you if you needed it. Nah, we're, we're good. Do the research on these places, and we add them to the list. And for you guys, we reiterate what we have found. And all the burgers we try and go to, we will post the location, a picture of the outside, and a picture of the food on social media. Yes, so most likely, if they have multiple burgers, we'll probably order different burgers each, unlike we did at West Wing, where there is only the one burger. And so, then we can, like... Maybe cut them in half and each try half a burger. Yeah, I'm not opposed to doing that whatsoever. So we could have more like more chances to like let you guys know more things off the menu than instead of us both having unless they have like one big bomb ass burger. <laughs> they'll both be the same one because let's be real. Yeah, so now we'll have to spot in a new burger place. So we have about six other burger places right now that are on a side list. Actually, make that seven, as on Facebook we just got a message saying to add the stockyards. So not the location shopping area, but the burger joint, the stockyards here in Toronto. So our additional list that wasn't posted on social media is Best Burgers, Sell Street Burgers, which is a very popular location here in Toronto, Burger Planet, Ronto's, Churro Burger, so exactly what you're thinking, churros and burgers. I'm down for that. That sounds good. And Station on Bloor. I've never been here before. I've heard of this place and added it to our list just the other night. So going to add one of these at some point after we go hit up Johnny's to our list. And we'll let you guys know the updated list. All right. And before we go, it is time for Ed's Comic Corner. Yeah. What have I been reading recently? Well, I recently picked up the New 52 trade of Shazam. Because I had started reading the new run, which is a continuation of that one, by uh, Jeff Johns. So I had read the Justice League run, and this story takes place like throughout that run. But like, I just it's been so long since I've like read it that I completely forgot what happened. So I went to a couple stores, finally found it at the Silver Snail. And um, read all the way home, read it in one shot, and I liked it. It was a little bit of a darker edge to Billy Batson, but it deals with, like, the Shazam family, because Billy Batson is a, um, a foster kid, and he gets, like, into a foster home with six other kids, this family who, like, I guess both of them were foster kids, and they met, fell in love, and they wanted to help out other kids that they can so I had a bit of a darker edge, and the new movie coming out in uh, April is more based on this version of Shazam than the other ones. And I think it's a nice, because a lot of times, you know, we get, like, different representations for, like, like Black Panther. We have, like, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, you know, like, Aquaman, all these, like, you know, Pacific Islanders, like, African-American, you know, Amazonian and all that. All these, like, different rep representations. But one that, like, is neat is that there's a this wonderful character who's a foster kid in all iterations. He's always a foster kid. And like, it's such a, like a different part of the system because you have kids that get adopted and kids that like, you know, are born to regular families. But then these are people who are like, these kids are just either abandoned, their parents are in jail or they end up in the system. And sometimes their lives are, are rough and they have like different experiences and they have a character that they can look up to. Like someone that's like, Here's a kid who gets like these extraordinary gifts and he like his experiences is what allows him to get this gift because he hates bullies and that's what allows the uh, the mystical person to give him to grant him these powers of like the champion of magic. So the new movie, so if you want to see the new movie and you're interested in the character and you don't quite know much about him, this is a good jumping on point. I would recommend it because it kind of hints at the movie taking cues from this but it's not going to be like a direct adaptation because Black Adam's not in it. And they're not, I don't think they're doing the Shazam family, which is like where his power gets split up between all seven kids. So it has a bit of a darker edge because he is like, because Billy Bats is more angry in this iteration than in like the fully lovable child part. But they're bringing the more lightheartedness to this new current run, which is picking up one year after the end of the, uh, the trade. Trade's only like 20 bucks. Um, they're going to re-release it again in... Uh, August and a hardcover if you want to pick it up. It's only one. It's only like six, seven issues. You can read it in like an hour, hour and a half. But yeah, I highly recommend that as a reading jumping on point for Shazam. 
a, a, a gift of champion magic. <laughs> he can run fast and fly and all that. What else have I been reading? I officially caught up on The Flash in the comics. Because the new big cross, not big crossover, the small crossover to Batman starts this week. This one wrapped up the Force Quest story where he finds out that all the different powers that like he re- that he released from the Speed Force, which he thought were all supposed to like come together and work together as a team, but the actuality is they can't coexist. So he has to either destroy these people to keep the Speed Force or risk losing his powers for good. And you're like, that's an interesting twist. And all that was setting up what's going to happen later on this year. And then I read the annual, which which sets up what this new um, little crossover is and kind of ties into the events of uh, Young Justice, the comic, and Heroes in Crisis. So it shows um, Impulse, which is Bart Allen, which is Barry Allen's grandson. He's in the future and like he can't find his friends, can't find his family. He doesn't know what's going on. So he goes back in time, helps the Flash fight Godspeed a little bit who's a character that was a friend of Barry and now he's kind of an enemy and he's working for this new bad guy that like they just tease like a, a silhouette of him and I'm like who is this who is this mastermind behind all of this so I'm looking forward to that and it was exciting it had a lot of action scenes in this um, annual but also a heartbreaking moment because I kept wondering like when they were going to address like Wally West dying and he finally got to the part in this flash story where he finds out that Wally West was killed. Who was a close friend of his and a popular Flash character who was gone for a while, came back, now he's been killed. And he tells um, Iris that Wally's gone and she breaks down in tears. Barry is like trying to console her and it's a heartbreaking moment trying to tell someone that her nephew who she just got back is gone. And uh, I was reading it, and you know, got a little teary-eyed. It was like two o'clock in the morning, and I was like, "Fuck, ah, got me again." And then, other than that, I read a uh, eighty-page giant comic. It's a compilation of like a bunch of short stories in tie for Valentine's Day, it's like mysteries of love in love and space. So one takes place on apocalypse. One takes place with Bizarro. A bunch of cool, different little short stories. Some are more dark, some are more like optimistic, some are more with like nice twists in it. But one that was really really like sweet was one about Superman and Lois Lane. It wasn't about Superman himself, it was Lois writing a story about like a letter about Superman and Clark Kent. How like this how she like had this relationship with Clark and then he like was always, you know, clumsy but always helping people out and always doing these nice things and then he tells her after a while that he's Superman. And she was like, kind of like annoyed that she never saw it just because the glasses were only that was different. And she was upset that like he kept this from her. But then she thought about it more in like how this character, like the strongest person in the world, puts on a puts on a suit and goes to work, helps people in grocery stores, helps holds stores for people, does all these things for for nobody's for anybody for everybody despite having all these powers, despite basically being a god, that he still chooses to help the small person with no need for ass, no need for praise, no nothing. And he knows he can't save everybody. He knows he can't fix everything, but he still tries. And, like, nobody notices. Nobody pays attention to, like, Clark Kent, despite knowing that, like, as she knows, like, he's this great hero, but, like, he still cares about every single person he encounters. And she thinks that's nice, and she wanted to thank him for her, despite, you know, for choosing to be a good person, despite having all these gifts. But yeah, that's pretty much all I've been reading at the moment. I'm looking forward to picking up The Flash, and Justice Issue 2 should be out this week as well. So from there, we can transition to the what are we planning on watching before the next podcast? Watching, playing, things that are upcoming. I will be watching Lego Movie 2 on this weekend, 
and I'll probably try and see Alita Battle Angel next weekend before we uh, record the next cast. Yeah, I'm excited for that movie to come out. Some early things are saying it's going to be bad, but I think it's going to be a neat little film. <coughs> yeah, I'm excited. Like, <coughs> visually me. looks really impressive, so I'm excited to see what they do visually. Yeah, the trailer has me interested. I didn't really know anything about it prior to the trailer, but I'm going to go check it out, probably in theaters. Uh, I actually just got a little statue for that movie from the Loot Anime. Not a sponsor, but we're not opposed to it if they want to hook us up. And on top of that, I've about to start a new anime and it has to deal with vampires. It's called Sirius the Jaeger. Now it's basically 1930s vampires and hunters and it's the hunters are known as Jaegers. So I'm looking at test testing the waters on this new anime, see how it is. Just noticed it popped up on Netflix and caught my interest. So I'll give you my thoughts on that next podcast. And that looks like about all for this week. That sounds good. This has been the second episode of the Banter and Burgers podcast by K&E. Yeah, so Keaton and Ed, we'll catch you guys in episode three. Just look forward to little updates on social media and all that jazz. All right. Good evening, good night.